Um, interesting that Dave used that terminology because had, had that already come up or not? Because I wasn't going to mention the sword. And as I was preparing this, I felt like the Lord said, remind them again, it is the year of the ruling sword. So I'm reminding you, it's the year of the ruling sword. I hope that you're unpacking that and using the word like you haven't used it in the past, like a ruling sword. So uh, we've been reminded, and Maria does a great job in keeping us on our toes about what the year is about. And for those that are in this house, you will hear this many times, but for those that are visiting, it is the year of the sword. There is wars in heaven and earth. And I was really, really excited when Chuck dedicated the war room and he said, you will be able to stop wars. What a phenomenal word over a company of people that we will be able to, oh, the children going out. Let's just bless the children out. But before Jed goes, I just need Jed. I need him as a, as a, as a, as a, as a visual aid. If you were here at the weekend and I spoke and I said about feeling like you're a loose tooth, does anybody remember? I said that was the experience we had as the Lord was transitioning us. Jed came up to me today. He wasn't, obviously, he didn't hear me say that because he was doing his own thing. But he came up to me and he said, Jenny, 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 you've got to know this, you've got to know this. Show them then, Jed. He took... He actually said, I have taken my wobbly tooth out, and here it is. And it, the Lord reminded me that I'd used the example on Friday, and he said, tell them, I've taken you out, and you're in my hand. So thanks, Jed, for that visual aid. That was great. Enjoy what you're doing with the rest of the children. The year, the year of the, I was going to say the year of the wobbly tooth then. Um, it's the year of the sword. It's the year of coronation and victory. Hopes will be fulfilled. That's a good word. It's the year of the Holy Spirit. It's a year to align with his timing. It's a year, a year to remember God's great works of the past and gain for the future. And it's a year of praise. Now, I talked yesterday about, about the word, the Judah and the tribe of Judah. Judah means praised. His, his brothers praised him. But we know that it, it is the tribe that went out first into battle. The tribe that went out first ahead and following the cloud and Issachar followed and Zebulun behind. So this is a year of praise, extraordinary praise. We have to illumine the heavens with praise. And when Chuck gave us the key and said, now you're going to unlock some places in England with the key, that was the next part of the strategy for dealing with the structures that the Lord's shown us. And I thought, now what we're going to do with this key? Because you can go and stand in a place and go, I prophetically open this place, or I prophetically lock this place up, or I can do, you know, you can do a lot. Actually, it's quite a heavy thing. You can do a lot of damage with this key. You can do a lot of things with the key. But as we spoke to Chuck about what that really meant, he said, you will take the sound of the lion into those places. So you'll take the sound of praise. So we will corporately go places and we will make that sound prophetically in intercession and worship and with the word and the key. So it's a year we're going to illumine the heavens with praise. And it's the year of the olive tree. And some of the things that Chuck said just over this weekend. Now I've only got eight slides and we're already on three. So that's good. England has shifted now there will be a three-year window of accelerated rearrangement of vision. 
So I say over those of you that are seeing your future but not as clear as you'd like it to be, this is the, this is the time in the Issachar month, in this season, where the Lord's going to open up the way ahead. So interesting what we did this morning in the watch. Because Gert Newley, obviously we'd been to Germany and a week later they said, you know, there's the potential of us signing on, on this venue. What do you think? And I'm like... <gasps> It's a commitment. They weren't saying, please, will you help us in it? What are you hearing from heaven? And we spoke to them. We said, it sounds like God. I think we should do it. You should do it. You should do it. But then there's all the ramifications of that. How are we going to make that commitment when we don't see the provision right now at this minute? And they didn't ask us to, um, to take that on, but we have made a, a personal commitment in our heart to see them fulfill the vision, you all want to know what it is now, don't you? Um, we have this morning raised towards that portion £4,680. Euros, 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 euros. So we can say the Lord has done it. We can say the Lord has done it. But that was came out of the moment at any point we've had these discussions, we could have scratted around and gone, should we, shouldn't we? What can we do? How can we? What can we? How can, how can we? But in the moment when the Lord says, I'm going to do it, he does all things well, doesn't he? He does all things well. So praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, there's going to be a three-year window of accelerated and rearrangement of vision. And there's the three things that we need to keep in mind that are going to shift our authority structures, economic structures, and there will be power demonstrations. When the Lord called Steve and I back to Burton-on-Trent, when there are already spirit-filled churches and some still to be birthed here, I said, what is it for? Why would we be any different from anyone else? And the only thing that came up out of my spirit when I was asked that question, why are you going back? I said, the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. And I think until we see every member of the body operating in those power demonstrations, that word hasn't been fulfilled. So if you're thinking of joining CAN or you're part of CAN, that has to be part of our mandate. The power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Where do we begin? We begin by hearing his voice, as the Lord said. We begin by stepping into those places of faith. I'll go. Just give me a bit of extra prayer, Jenny. I'm now going to Scotland with a different eyesight and a different understanding. Just press me a little bit with what I can cope with. The seeing and the hearing and the going and the doing leads to the expression of the power and demonstration of the kingdom breaking out. It has to. We have to see signs and wonders at our hands. An apostolic work will have power demonstrations involved in it. Amen? So this portion this morning is going to, I'm just trying to unpack some things that the Lord said a couple of weeks ago to me privately. And um, we, I say that because I'm, I'm pulling out of revelation that he showed me that I think is, is for us at this time. Some things we know about Passover to Pentecost, it's the time that Israel is birthed as a nation. Between Passover and Pentecost, there are 50 days where the people developed and matured. Say developed and matured. Now, if I were to bring Jed up back up again, 
and his dad stood by him, you would see a bit of a difference. You would think it highly unusual if, Je if Jed got the car keys and said, I'll drive you home today, Dad. It doesn't work like that, does it? Because there's a process from childhood to manhood of, of increased responsibility, increased authority. Manhood looks very different to childhood, yes? What God wanted them to do in those 50 days was develop and mature. I'm sad to say that we have known in our Christian life, I've been a Christian 30-odd, nearly 40 years, Steve, since time began. Um, we've, we've known Christian believers who were in church 50 years and were not mature in the, se in the way that they should have been matured when they went to be with the Lord. Still in infancy, when they can say things like, um, I'll do this because the preacher said. Not because the preacher said, because the Lord says. Or because it's in the Word. Or, I know that this is real because somebody in church told me. No, not because somebody else told you. You've got to be living and moving by revelation. And these 50 days between the resurrection and Pentecost are a God-given opportunity in the year to mature in some things and develop in some things. You'll want to know in a minute, well, how, how far are we between? Because we're on about day 34, I think, aren't we? Or day 35 of counting the Omer. That's what he was doing. He was using a principle in the earth to show them of the sheaves, counting the sheaves. And it was waved each day before him. Because he would have them count every day. Mark this day. See that this day you're moving into a place of abundance. You're coming into greater increase, greater clarity. Glory to glory. We've already heard that this morning. So in this 50 days, it's not just, oh, we're hanging about till we get to Pentecost. We can't get to Pentecost until we've matured in some things and developed in some things. Is that okay with everybody? Um. The Feast of Shavuot is, is almost a, a prophetic picture of the marriage ceremony, God's covenant of bringing someone from that infancy place to a stage of maturity. You can't, a child should not be getting married. We know the crisis and the trauma and the things that go on with child brides. You don't get married until you come of age, mature, or you shouldn't. So, some of the other things that we heard this weekend, our identity is partially submerged under the national identity, but God is bringing us forth to emerge. And although we uphold the nations, we must remember that we are citizens of the kingdom. So, our, national, our nationality must come under our kingdom. We're kingdom of priests unto our God. Amen. And uh, he gave us a key given to unlock the lion of the tribe of Judah in places across the United Kingdom. So if you're visiting and you've been with us this weekend, don't go away saying, and they've been given a key to go and unlock the sound or the roar. It's to go and unlock him. There's a very big difference. I've already waved it this morning, Steve. Yeah. There's a very big difference between uh, just releasing his voice and releasing him. 
I'm sure we're going to be doing lots with that key. So this was this was the key. Can't really see it. We're going to be um, upgrading that a little bit in the next few weeks. But also, what about this guy? Hey, he's looking at you. He's looking at you. He's got his eye on you. He's coming for you. <laughs> so in this month of uh, Issachar, E-R, it's a hinge month. It's the month of passage. It's a month to align with this timing. It is possible to redeem time. That's a fantastic word. He says, redeem the time for the days of evil. Uh, so we've got to know how we redeem time, how we buy back things that have been lost. And I, I'm going to start doing a study on those, those four things, the canker worm and the palmer worm and all those wormy worms, that, that we can start to take back some things that the enemy stole from us. From Egypt to Sinai represents a spiritual transformation and a purging, a preparation for receiving Torah and the Ten Commandments. And uh, it also, I think I've got the transformation twice there. Sorry about that. You've got a double. So this was the revelation that the Lord gave me. I hope you've got your Bibles with you and we can turn to these scriptures. Between resurrection and Pentecost or between, the, between Jesus dying and, and him fully ascending, he manifested himself. And I believe there's some ways that the Lord wants to visit with you in a new way. So I'm going to outline what he showed me and take from it what you can for your situation right now. One of the first things he showed me was when he had gone to the cross, he first appeared to one. You need to know he will come just for you. We can be in great gatherings like this and even bigger and think, well, it's all right, he's saying it to him, or he's saying it to her, or they're really encountering the Lord. He's come for you. He's after your heart. And this is where Mary comes to the tomb, and, he's, and she's looking for him, and he manifests to her. He actually appears to her. And the Lord wants to sweep away that, is it really you, God? Or am I just talking to myself here? Is it you? Is it, is it me? Who, who, who is this one? The Lord wants to manifest himself, I believe, in this season to the ones, the individuals. There's no greater testimony when someone comes and shares with me about the revelation of Jesus. I've shared with you times when, you know, when I felt him wake me up with a kiss. Or when, I, when my friend said to me, you know, it was, I had this time with him and it was like I was, like a, a child dances on a, her dad's feet. I was dancing with him and I went, hmm, that'd be really lovely. I wish I could have that, that encounter. And the next morning he woke me up and it felt like he woke me up with a kiss. There are moments when the Lord wants to break in and encounter you and you encounter him and it's for the one. Just say, Lord, I, let me be that one. Let me be that one this week where I have a fresh, deeper walk with you. This, and you can read it in John 20, 14. We're going to look at some scriptures in a minute. The second thing he showed me was he doesn't just come for the one. He comes for the ones and twos that have the longing of him. Find relationships 
around you that you can share him in. So these two are walking on the road to Emmaus and they're talking about the wonderful things. They're talking about him. Can you imagine him? He's not yet revealed who he is to them, but he comes alongside to see what they're saying. And he starts, as, as that journey progresses and they get to their destination, he actually starts to teach them. In the midst of our relationships, one to another, he wants to come in and teach us. I will listen to counsel from those people that are closest around me before I listen to somebody that comes in and starts to tell me. That's a principle of the word. It's a principle of relationship. You won't believe how many times in a weekend's gathering when we have people from a long ways away that will come and try and tell you their revelation for you. <laughs> the Lord's told me to tell you. Well, that's great, but it comes much more stronger, much more powerful and much more weighty and much more relevant when we're up close and personal with each other and journeying. That's why relationship is so vital. Yes? So on the road to Emmaus, Jesus manifests to the two. And then Jesus comes into the midst of them, the disciples, and he releases peace and assurance. So I want you to see that in this season where we're moving from Passover to Pentecost, I believe that some of you need to find a new place of rest in where you are with him and assurance of your relationship with him. Because he manifests and he says to them, come a bit closer. Come and see. Come and touch. Come and feel. Come and share what I've just been through. Do you want to say that? Come and see. Don't stand at the back of the room. Come and see what it's like up close and personal, where you can really see what the wound's like. You can really feel what I went through. You can enter in and share with me the things that are going on in me. Jesus wants an up-close and personal relationship with us. But we have to realize when he does that, he ministers himself. He ministers to the one. He ministers to the two. He ministers to the group. But he doesn't just send a word. It's him. It's him. We're not just going to go from place to place and re release a prophetic word. We're not going to go to place to place to release a prophetic word. We're going to go to place to place to release him. Very clear. wasn't the roar of the lion. It was to release him. And I think it, this is the preparation was for that. Let's go to... Uh, Luke, Luke. Luke 20, 
four. Actually, let's go from verse 13, but I'll read quite a, a portion. This was when he was on the road to Emmaus with them. Two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which incidentally you can go to. It's not on the normal places when you go to Israel, but on our very first trip, we did go to that road and that, that place. It's not, a, it's not open up as a, as, a, as a roadway. It's like a, a, a dirt track, like you would probably walk through a field in England. It's walled, but you can actually get on it. And I believe there's a portal there. They talked together of all the things that had happened. We should talk about the moments when we've been together in a congregation or in a meeting. When did he come close to you? What revelation did he show you? Did you sense something? I'll tell you what, this morning, I was really excited because I see Dave Hawthorne doing this. We're riding the crest of the wave and I, and I could just see there was an anointing on it. So he was brave enough when I said, come and do it out front. And we noticed that there were some others that thought, I'm going to get in on this. But I'll tell you what starts to happen is the atmosphere breaks. Because when you choose to enter into someone else's revelation, then you're, you're adding your part to that. And it actually becomes the momentum for that moment so that revelation can be released. So the fact that you're doing this together at the front of the church actually causes an opening in the heavens. It's not, we're not just doing this to say, oh, this is a great, we're dancing in a different way. It's actually a prophetic act that the Lord requires to tread down some enemies because faith is involved in it. And so whenever there's something happening and there's momentum, don't just stand and watch, get in. Get in because there's a portion that you have to release in that. I mean, I was amazed when I went to Finland and I actually saw men using flags and, and using the... Because we go, oh, it's a ladies' thing, that. And when these guys were actually using the silks, it was like... With understanding and with purpose and to deal with atmospheres that are captured and controlled that bind us. I love it. We're not a house of religion. So be free. Tell your neighbor, be free. So their eyes were restrained as Jesus went with them so that they didn't know him. And he said, what is this conversation that you're having with one another as you walk? And the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said, are you the only one in Jerusalem? Have you not known the things that have happened? And he said, what are they? Now, don't you think he knew? He knew it was all about him. He wanted them to express. He wanted them to say. He wanted to know what was the fullness of their heart. And out of that overflow, he wanted to enter in. So you have a portion to release. And he's going to step right into that portion. Are you hearing? He will step into your portion that you release. So they were telling him the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was the prophet. Any point he could have gone, and it's me, and it's me. You're talking about me. But he let them express he let them talk about him. He let them get it out there. Why? Because it was shifting something as they said it. Maybe it released him to manifest. You know the woman at the well, when, she's, when he's talking to her, he eventually says, I who speak to you am he. 
but maybe he had to get her to a place where she was where she was so open and abandoned and declaring things about the Messiah that she believed. Maybe he's waiting to see, do you really think I can manifest if you come and do this? You do this? And he goes, they believe. They believe they're entering in with me. I'm going to step right in with them. He comes to them and he manifests So they go on a bit, verse verse 25. Then he says to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. That was Jesus correcting them kindly. O foolish ones, you're so slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. He was him saying it. He's saying it to them. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Still haven't opened their eyes. So he's now speaking about himself in the third person. And he's getting them to question it. He's getting them to receive it. Didn't Moses talk about him in this way? Didn't Moses say this was going to happen? Didn't, and all the prophets, did the prophets say this? Did the prophets say that? And all the time he's looking to measure where their faith level is. Did, did, did the prophets say that and do you believe it? Did the prophets say that and do you believe it? Did the prophets say that and do you believe it? Can you hear that same clarion call is coming down through the ages today? Did you hear the prophet this weekend and do you believe it? Do you hear what the prophetic word is saying and do you believe it? Because if you believe it, something's going to transact. So then he goes on. And they drew near to the village. And he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they said, no, stay. And they go on. And it says, and now when it came to pass, verse 30, as he sat at the table, that he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. In that very act, their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished. (gasps) It was him all the time. It was him all the time. Did you not know? Did you not feel it? Wasn't there something about the things he said? Couldn't you just tell the anointing was right there on that guy? He was the anointing. He was it. And they rose up that very hour. It caused them to move straight away. As soon as they believed, as soon as they were able to see him, they said, hang on, can't hang about here. We've just seen him. We've just encountered him. Out of your encounter will cause you to move to your next place. So they go. They rose up that very hour. They return to Jerusalem and they find the 11 and they tell the 11. They tell them, we've just encountered the Lord. He was there with us. We walked from Emmaus. We walked right to where we needed to be. We got, and he's telling us all the time. And didn't you? Yeah, I did. And they're doing this. And they said, you've got to realize he's alive. He's alive. He's alive. We saw him. We heard him. He broke bread. He was there. They hadn't. None of them had. Big spirit of unbelief in the atmosphere. Well, if you say he did, but I haven't seen him. You had the experience, but I didn't. And then what happens? Look at the verses. 
Verse 35, they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. They're telling them truth. They're telling them about the Messiah. They're telling them he's alive. As Verse 36, as they said these things, as they testified, as they spoke about him, he manifested in the words they were saying about him. Don't tell me that testimony of Jesus is not powerful. Don't tell me that when you say his name, it isn't powerful. Don't tell me that when you speak about the Most High God, that he doesn't look for an opportunity to step right in and be there with you. Every time you open your mouth and you talk about him with your friends, with your family, with your colleagues out there, wherever you speak about him, he is going to show up. How dare you speak about him and not think he's not going to be there, standing right there, ready to manifest in what you say about him. Signs, wonders, and miracles will only happen when we believe he will come. He is there. If I only but speak his name, he is going to manifest. He's going to rip the veil from their eyes and they're going to see him just like I see him. Have you seen him? Have you beheld him? Have you touched him? Have you felt him? Were you there? If you were, you can manifest him. As they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said, peace to you. Now those two, they've already encountered him. They're going, he's here. He's coming again. He's here. And the others are going, it's but a ghost. It's but a ghost. It's but a ghost. Why? Because that spirit of unbelief had already captured them. That spirit of unbelief had already started to invade the structure of their thinking so that they couldn't receive the word until they saw him because the two had already seen him. They said these things. Jesus stood in the midst of them and said, peace. He's even speaking, peace. But they were terrified and frightened. And that spirit of unbelief had already changed the structure of their thinking so that they thought, oh, this must be a ghost. They've just told him he's alive. We've just seen him. He's alive. Now he's here. And they still got to deal with the unbelief. They couldn't step through that because they'd already entertained it. They'd already let it take a hold. They'd already absorbed it. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise within you? Look, look at my hands, look at my feet, handle me, come closer. It's me, it's really me. Emmanuel, God with us means Emmanuel, God with us. He's here. He is here 24-7. If you're a believer, he's with you 24-7. There isn't a minute where he steps out the door. He's with you, constantly with you. The only way we are going to have him manifest is when we believe. I'm speaking to myself. So he speaks peace and assurance. So... In this portion, he also brings revelation into the relationship. He shows who he is, shows them his hands, shows them his feet. But while they stood, still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, you still don't get it, do you? You still don't get it. Get me something to eat and I'll show you. 
Now let's sit down and have something to eat together. So he's not just wanting to go, I'm here. He's saying, I want to come right into the midst of your day-to-day. Your eating, your sleeping, your family. I want to come and do life with you. Shall we have something to eat together? I mean, we had touch point, but we had to help our guests have their food. So we provide a green room for them. We provide some somewhere where they can, some facility where they can relax and have something to eat. We we're bothered about how we eat together, aren't we? Should be. I want to get to know you a bit better, David and Irene. Shall we go out for a meal? Even in the ordinary eating of a sandwich together, he can manifest. Get some food, guys. You'll see. Let's have a chat about this over some food. That's what he said, and he gave them a piece of fish and some honeycomb. Do you know what the Lord said to me when, when I was doing this? He said, I want you to know that I'm bothered about providing for you, and I'll provide even in the feeding of you, the feeding of you, the feeding of you. He's watching everything. And then the next time we see him, or another occasion where we see him manifesting himself is when they're out and uh, they're still in that place of, is it really him? And he comes to them while they're fishing and he says to them, catch the fish and then come and eat. I believe that he's bothered in this season about what your assignment is. Whether it's your job, whether you have a, a regular job in the marketplace, whatever your assignment is, every one of us should have an assignment. Some of us might be more in a secular field on a, a Monday to Friday. Some of us might be in a more of a, 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 a ministry capacity. But whatever your assignment is, he wants to come into that place and he wants to provide for you there. And remember, this was also the place where the disciples have a bit of a, you know, we've failed you, Lord, we've, we've, we've messed up. And he delivers them out of that place. So he wants to deliver us in a new way during this season as well. He doesn't just come to the one. He doesn't just come to the two on the road. He doesn't just give peace. Peace be with you. He says, come closer and have a relationship with me. And then he says, I want to provide something for you to eat. Catch the fish and let's light the fire and let's do life together. Let's journey together. And we know in the midst of all of this, there's not just the assignment, there's the calling. And if you look at Matthew 4 and Luke 5, they both say the same thing. This is where he goes right into the midst of their everyday, whatever they're doing, and he calls them. And I believe there's a fresh place for the Lord to bring uh, a confirmation of your mission and your calling. So you could be at any one of these stages in your encounter in the Lord and in your your relationship with him. He will provide a place for every one of us to declare it. It's a principle. 
when you pray, you believe in your heart and you will have whatever you will say. It's a principle in Scripture. When you testify of the Lord, he manifests. When you speak about him, he manifests. I hope this has been helpful. If you've taken whatever you need to take, I'm going to show you my last slide and then I'm going to pray for us and we're going to finish. So, between resurrection and Pentecost, in conclusion, he will speak. Uh-oh. Go back, go back, go back, go back. Oh, sorry, folks. That was, that's just the, the animations. He will. What do you need him to do for you? Do you need him to, as he did with Mary, encounter you and manifest to you alone? Do you need him in your conversation with the group of friends that you're cultivating? Do you need him to teach you, assure and confirm to you peace, deliver you, provide do you need him to certify your assignment? Do you need him to authorize your calling and commission, your mission? Whatever you need him to do, he wants to do. So let's stand as I pray for us. Jesus, I thank you that you are up close and personal 24-7. I thank you, Lord, that by your spirit you manifest. And Lord, we ask that as we move from Passover to Pentecost, as we're in these days of counting the Omer, that we will be careful each day to see, Lord, how you're manifesting in our lives, to see how, Lord, those moments of encounter can actually reach out for others to bring them into the family. And Lord, we just bring to you those times when we find it the hardest to believe. We're just like the disciples, but I declare today we're not staying in that place of unbelief. We're going to recognize it for what it is, Lord, and we're going to break our allegiance with unbelief. We say, Lord, that we want you to manifest in every arena, in every place, in every time frame. Lord, as we go through our every day, we want you to manifest. And as we say your name and as we speak about you, and as we declare the wonderful things about you, Lord, we know you're going to step right in. 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 You're going to step right in with provision. You're going to step right in, Lord, with that anointing and that power. You're going to step right in with that demonstration. You're going to step right in, Lord God. And you're going to change those situations that we can't change, Lord. And you're going to bring life, Lord, where there's been death. You're going to bring life and healing and wholeness. Jesus, we thank you that you are ever living, ever living. Let's just declare that we love the ever-living God. Jesus, we love the ever-living God. We love you, Lord. 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 We love the way you choose to manifest, Lord, but we partner with you. We say, Lord, remove the scales from our eyes, Lord, that we can see you. Lord, unblock our ears so we can hear you. And Lord, show us your manifest power and presence. Lord, we declare we will be the church that demonstrates. We will be the church that demonstrates. 
in your precious name. And all God's people said, Amen. <laughs>